we're starting a new series here at London Riverside Church called Stand Strong. Uh, but before we get to that, just want to re-emphasize something that the uh, lovely host on Church Life said about wholehearted. Uh, you know, there's something about a church that gathers together, prays together, believes together, hopes together for the impossible, coming together under the banner of Jesus Christ. And so let me encourage you, please, please, please come out next week Friday here at the church. Uh, we're going to pray together, praise together, and believe what God will do in and amongst us. Uh, and listen, it's my birthday today, so thank you. That can be your present to me if you come next week, Friday, 7.45 at the church. No, I'm 18 today, Martin. I'm 18 today. Uh, so like I said, we are starting a new series today called Stand Strong. And it's taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 10 to 17, where Paul is encouraging us as believers to take on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against and fight against that plans and schemes of the enemy. Uh, I want to encourage you to stand as we read it. So if you're in overflow, you're downstairs, please stand in the balcony as we read God's word together. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Father, I do thank you that we get to come around your word. I thank you that it challenges us, inspires us, and equips us to be all that we're supposed to do and be. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. So Paul is talking to us about taking on the whole armor of God. And in this particular situation, he's sitting in prison uh, watching um, the Roman guards in front of him. And, and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he pens these words as an encouragement to us, as a, a charge, really, of what we should do, that we take on the whole armor of God. Uh, we're going to go through a an overview of, of what's taking place that sets us up for the next couple of weeks. And in, in verse 10, Paul tells us to be strong in God. He tells us to be strong in God and to uh, be strong and use his strength in power. Paul is encouraging us and telling us that, that we have to be strong in God. And it denotes to us a, a couple of things. It denotes that in order for us to be strong in God, there has to be close proximity to him. In order for us to be close to God, there has to be a close proximity to him. It's not good enough for us to say, I'm a follower of Christ, but we don't have a relationship with him. It's not good enough for us to say that we, have a relate, that we are Christ followers, but when he tells us to do certain things, we ignore what he's asked of us. It's not good enough for us to simply say that you are a Christian, but not actually be close to him. There are things that we need to do. 
Uh, the second thing is that uh, we, are the one, we are not the ones that are strong. It is not through our strength, it's not through our power that we're able to stand against the schemes of the evil one. It is that of God. We take God's strength to be able to do said thing. If the reason for that is because if we do things in our own strength, we will be tossed from left to right, forward, backwards, we'll be swept away with the lies that the enemy tries to speak to us and over us. Uh, so we don't come in our strength, we come in God's strength. The third thing is that we have to do something about it in order to be in his strength. There are certain things that we need to do, we need to be close to him, we need to spend time with him, etc., 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 if I said to you that uh, the goal that I have in 2024 is the lofty idea of having a six-pack, that's naughty of you for laughing, because it's there somewhere. If I said to you that's, that's the goal, I have to do certain things in, in order to obtain said goal, right? I would have to be careful about what I, I eat. Well, it's my birthday, so I'm not doing that one. But you have to be careful about what you're eating, what you're consuming. You have to be careful about maybe working out. There are maybe some sit-ups and crunches um, that I have to do. Uh, there are certain things that I needed to do in order to obtain said goal. And it's the same thing when it comes to being in strength or being standing strong in God. There are certain things that we need to do, and we'll get to that. And the last thing is that this idea that God is strong enough. He is strong enough to, to combat the enemy's lies. He's strong enough to dismiss those things. He's strong enough. He's powerful enough. Our God is the victor. And in verse 11 to 12, we, we're told to put on the whole armor of God, to put the whole thing on so that we can stand against the works of the devil. Now, this idea that we've joined with God in fighting this cosmic battle uh, for the future of society and the world, we're joining with God. We're on the winning side, friends. And God says, put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand and fight effectively. And in New King James, it talks, uh, it says the word wiles, and it's this idea of um, devious or cunning plans being employed. Uh, this idea that the devil is, is manipulative, he's cunning in his schemes to try and get you to do the wrong thing. The New International Version talks about schemes, the plans that he has. And it's for this reason, the schemes of the enemy, that we're told to stand strong in God. Not because, of, not because that we can do it, not because for our own strength, but we stand strong in God and what he has done and what he has accomplished. And we take those things on in order for us to fight effectively. We put on the whole armor of God so that we can be victorious. And Paul's acknowledged, acknowledging for us that there is a battle taking place, that we're in the midst of a war. And the issue is, is that we can focus too much on what the enemy is doing or we either dismiss it, we either obsess over him, or we dismiss his ability to actually inf infiltrate our lives. We obsess over him, or we dismiss him. And so some, the problem is, is that we, we sometimes think to ourselves, um, oh no, I, I, don't, I can dismiss him, I can, be, I can be strong enough, and I won't fall into temptation. I'm strong enough to do it by myself. And so we dismiss the works of the enemy, but sometimes we obsess over him. We think that he has all the power, that he is too strong, that he is all conquering and all powerful. But it's a lie that he spews to us because that's not the attributes that are given to him. Those attributes are given to our God. 
He's the father of lies. The Satan is the father of lies. And so Paul is encouraging us to put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand against him. The problem is that we sometimes emphasize every bad decision um, that we make and we attribute it to Satan. Uh, we say uh, some, he, he dangles the carrot of lying in your tax. You know, you put an extra zero there and say, no, you know, I, I earned that. You've lied on it. He dangles the ability or the opportunity to lie, but it was you who put that zero and the dots and the more numbers on top. It was you that did that. It wasn't him. He just dangled the carrots in front of you. He might have dangled the carrot of, of seeing someone that's not your spouse and then laying with them. He may have dangled that carrot, the opportunity to do so, but it was you that did it. He didn't jump into bed. It wasn't him. It was you. He might have dangled the, the, the carrot of um, gluttony. He might have dangled the, ca- the irony, carrot and gluttony, eh? He might have dangled that carrot of gluttony in front of you. But it wasn't him that was on your phone on Uber Eats or Just Eat. It wasn't him. That was you ordering at 11 o'clock at night, bird, you know, the restaurant and the chicken. And it was you that did it. It wasn't him. But we ascribe it all to him. It, it, it might have dangled the opportunity for a, 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 juicy, a juicy story, gossip story, you know, oh, did you know that um, um, my mum's sister did this and they did, did that? And you start sharing that amongst people. He might have dangled the, the, the opportunity to, to spread the story, but it was you that opened your mouth. To steal a phrase from Pastor Gowan, am I being too honest here? <laughs> this idea that we, we obsess over him or we dismiss him, and Paul's trying to acknowledge, hey, listen, there is a fight taking place, but you're on the winning side. You have the armor of God in which you can use to fight against him. And in verse 13, Paul repeats effectively verse 11 to 12. He repeats himself as somewhat like a charge to recognize for us, get ready, get ready, we're on the winning side. And in verse 14, Paul tells us the very thing that we need to combat, to to break free, to break free, to break through the schemes, the works, the deceptive dark nature of of the devil. Paul highlights the schemes, but I love how his, his focus isn't so much on the schemes. He then tells us that there are things that we, we can Really, it's a, if you know your Bible, it's a throwback to Isaiah chapter 11, where it, the, the, Isaiah's talking, like foreshadowing Jesus, Jesus is coming, uh, talking about what Jesus is going to do. And from verse 1 to 5, it talks about this is what Jesus is going to be, and this is who Jesus is going to do. He's going to bring justice and, and righteousness. He's going to do all these things. And verse 5 talks about a belt that he wears. And so Paul is linking that particular scripture with the imagery of the Roman soldier. When I was little, I'm just a little side, and it may come out through the preach. I struggled saying shoulder and shoulder, soldier. I struggled. So sometimes it may come out. And don't laugh. Childhood trauma. Please, help me. So if it comes out, just smile and nod. But Paul is linking the two together. Um, And he's trying to get this description that's saying, you have Jesus, and he's going to be the one who helps you through said situation. Paul highlights what's going on. He says, this is the reality. However, don't focus on that. Focus on Jesus. And it's this beautiful description that's taking place uh, in Isaiah. And Paul is trying to highlight this. Uh, and, and it's this idea that we are emulating 
who Jesus is in our lives. We're emulating what he's about in our lives to combat the works of the enemy. And, and he goes on to talk about a belt. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about the shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. And it's fascinating for me because there are, there are three things that Paul is telling us that we have to have on ourselves the whole time. And there are other things that we take up in order to fight the works of the enemy. The things that we, we hold on to all the time uh, that we have on ourselves, like the Roman soldiers would have, uh, are the belt, the breastplate, and the sandals. These things you always have on you so that you're ready to fight. The things you take up and we use in combat are the shield, the helmet, and the sword. And so Paul is telling us that this belt that you should be wearing, this belt of truth, where you are a truthful person, where you allow the truth of the Bible to speak into your life, is the very thing that you need to fight. He's telling you that this belt that we're talking about is vitally important. It's vitally important. And so we have this picture of the, the belt, and Paul is describing an outfit that the people in those times would be understanding. They would understand what he's talking about. And this belt would have been made from leather. It would have um, had a sheath for a dagger and a sword. They would have these long dangling things for protection. It would have been heavy, made with some metal on top of it as well. Um, and, and the belt was important because it held everything together. They would wear tunics and they would, if it was too long, tuck it inside of themselves so that it wouldn't trip them up if they were running. The belt was important because it held everything together. The belt ensured that the breastplate was close, tight, and secure. The belt ensured that the tunic didn't trip them up as they were running. The belt ensured that the sword didn't fall down. The belt was there for protection. And guys, you understand what I'm talking about here. The other day, uh, CJ was just like swinging his hand. And uh, he just went, bam. And I just went, oh. And uh, he looked really concerned. So he's like, it's okay. One day you'll understand what he's talking about and why he's in pain. And in that moment, I thought, I really wish I had this belt on right now for protection. And the reason why it's important is when it comes to this distinction about um, protection is, is that the, when you're unprotected, you, you expose yourself to pain. And so Paul is saying, please don't expose yourself in the area of truthfulness in your life, in the area of deceit. Don't, don't expose yourself so that the enemy has a way inside your life. Don't expose yourself. And, and sometimes we think, okay, well, I, don't, I can't quite liken myself to that of the Roman soldier. Uh, think of a policeman and the belt that they would wear around their, their waist, or a policewoman, the belt that they would wear. Um, if that's not good enough for you, think of Batman and his utility belt. Uh, it's ready for use. And Paul is saying this is, one, this is the most important thing for you when it comes to the whole armor of God. And so we're, we're, to, we're told to stand strong in battle and that we need a truth to be around us. In other words, where we, we must know the truth, we must live by the truth, we must hold on to the truth so that the rest of the armor can be in place and stay in place and protect us going forward. This idea that we have to know the truth, live the truth, hold on to the truth. And I, I love it because it, it means that the truth means that the rest of the armor is close to us. 
We're protected. The, the rest of the armor is in place, which means we're ready for battle. The rest of the, it means that we're not slowed down by lies and deceit. We can walk forward in truth. It means that we're not being tripped up by some of the schemes the enemy tries to speak lies into. And there are different areas of our lives that the enemy will try and speak lies into. The enemy will try and speak lies into your families, into your friendships, into your marriages, into your parenting, into your future, into your thinking and attitude. The the, the devil will speak lies into your confidence, into business, into church, into faith and salvation. These things the enemy will speak lies into. And if we're not careful, if we allow him to get inside, then he will run havoc in our lives. Ask this question, what lies are we allowing the enemy to speak into? In your world, in your situation, what lies are you allowing him to speak into? You know, if you remember the story of of Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to to 5, Eve has a conversation with the serpent, we understand to be the devil, and uh, the devil says, oh, listen, you should have, take 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 a bite from that fruit, not an apple, it was a fruit, just a bit of biblical history there and he said if you take a bite trust me you won't die you know God sees just he doesn't want you to be like him where you know stuff you know life and death he doesn't want that trust me you'll be okay you eat it and the story goes that she ate from the fruit and then she gave to Adam and him he did so as well and because of that one lie that one lie of oh you know you'll be okay you won't die families were thrown to one side. Relationships were put to one side. The future was, was changed as a result of that one lie. We can't allow the enemy to keep speaking into our lives. Remember that he, the enemy is not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. The, the enemy is not omnipresent. He isn't altogether everywhere at the same time. He's not omnipotent where he's all-powerful. Those descriptions, those attributes are not given to him. They're given to God. God is the one who's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's everywhere at the same time. And so the only thing the enemy can do is speak lies to us. The question we have is then, will we we listen to said lies? Will we allow those words to to get deep into our lives? The only thing the enemy can do is still kill and destroy. In John chapter 10, verse 10, we read these words, the thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I have come, Jesus speaking here, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I love this juxtaposition that we have between John chapter 10 and Ephesians chapter 6, where, where Paul is saying, this is the reality that you face. You're in a war. However, don't feel bad about that. Understand, you put the whole armor of God in on, you'll be okay. In fact, you'll be more than okay. You'll win. You'll survive. You'll be, you'll be surviving, thriving. You'll be doing that. And then John says, Jesus says a similar thing in John chapter 10. He says, understand, this is what the enemy's come to do. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the reality of what, he's up, what you're up against. However, take heart because I'm around. And so both Paul and Jesus are saying you're in this battle, you're in this war, but it's okay because Jesus, if we allow Jesus to enter our lives, the Holy Spirit to enter our lives, we allow God to do what he needs to do, we put on the armor of God, then we are going to be victorious. We don't allow the lies of the enemy to get in. 
And this idea that the thief is like a, it's like a pickpocket. He goes around like craftily, like just getting inside, taking your joy without you realizing he's cunning and he's finding ways in which people don't realize what he's doing. He's, he's taking things from you. And this idea that he, he steals, he, don't, he doesn't only steal, but he kills. And, and the context for this isn't that he's literally going to kill, but it's the, the meaning behind it is that he will cause you to sacrifice something of yourself. He will tell you lies that gets you to give up something that's good for you. So, for example, uh, something unfortunate has happened in your family. Something bad has taken place. And so the enemy tells you, hey, listen, it's okay to stay at home for a long period. You don't need to go to church today. You don't need to worship God today. You just take your time and, 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 and just wallow and, and, and you know, don't, don't, the Bible says it's good to, to come together. Don't, don't worry about that. You just, you just stay at home. And after a period of time, you then start to believe that, oh, it's actually okay for me not to be with the saints. It's actually okay not to be with the company of believers. It's, it's, it's okay not to, to come together and bring my faith and my expectation into the room. And so what the enemy's done, he's taken the joy of being together away from you. He, he's, he's made you sacrifice that joy. And then not only does he, he steal and then make you sacrifice, but if you can't do any of those things, he'll then destroy what's in your life. This idea that he will cause havoc, he will lay things to ruin, he will lay things to waste. And he does not want you to prosper. But Jesus comes. Jesus comes and gives us a life full of vitality and vigor and purpose and hope. Far better than we can ever imagine or think, Jesus comes into our situation. And I read this really cool interpretive translation where it says, the thief wants to get his hand into every good thing in your life. In fact, this pickpocket is looking for an opportunity to wiggle his way so deeply into your personal affairs that he can walk off without, so he can walk off with everything you hold precious and dear. And that's not all. When he's finished stealing all your goods and possessions, he'll take out his plan, he'll take his plan to rob you blind to the next level. He'll create conditions and situations so horrible that you will see no way to solve the problem except to sacrifice everything that remains from his previous attacks. The goal of this thief is to totally waste and devastate your life. If nothing stops him, he'll leave you insolvent, flat broke, and cleaned out in every area of your life. You'll end up feeling as if you've finished, uh, you're finished and out of business. Make no mistake, the enemy's ultimate aim is to obliterate you. But I came that you might have, keep, and consistently retain a vitality, a gusto, a vigor, a zest for living that springs from, the deep, from deep inside you. I come that you might embrace this unrivaled, unequaled, matchless, incomparable, richly loaded and overflowing life to the ultimate maximum. Understand, friends, that we're on the winning side. Don't listen to the lies that the enemy tries to speak over you. Listen to the words that God speaks. Listen to the truth that he speaks. See, the belt, like the, the belt that Paul is talking about, like our physical belt, needs to be one that actually goes around us. There's no point having a belt that only goes that much around our waist. We need to get all the way around us so it surrounds us and keeps us protected. Growing up in uh, secondary school, oh, growing up in secondary school, that's a bit weird, in secondary school, I, uh, some of the guys around would walk around with Louis V belts and Gucci belts. And uh, I'll be honest with you, 
they were completely fake. There was nothing real about these 12-year-old boys walking around with Gucci belts and Louis Impossible. Barking Market and Dagenham Market, they made money. These guys would walk around with the belts as if like, this was the real thing, as if this, they, were, they were the big man on campus. And I would always look at them thinking, why not just save for the real McCoy? Like, why not? Why would you pretend to have something that you don't have? Like, why, why would you do that? And the same thing is, is said for us as well. Don't pretend like you are a truthful person. Don't imitate it and pretend like that's who you are. But actually be that very thing. Let the truth of the Bible, let the truth of who Jesus is, we go in his strength and we become that person eventually. Don't just pretend like you're a good Christian, but actually be a good Christian. The thing is, truth is truth no matter where it comes from, friends. Truth is truth no matter where it comes from. A couple of weeks ago, I was staying up um, doing some work, and I only had like an hour's worth of sleep. And before the kids went to bed, CJ had a spelling test in the morning at school. And I said to him, hey, bud, you should do your spelling test. Uh, you should start revising. He says, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it in the morning. Okay, sure. Morning comes, um, getting the kids ready, and uh, we get in the car, and I say, CJ, did you do your, did you look at your, your, your spellings? Oh, no. Ah, I didn't do it. Okay, fine, we'll do it in the car together. And he takes his piece of paper out, there's like 10 words or so, maybe 15, I can't remember how many words, and he, he looks at it for five seconds, and he says, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> You're done? My guy, you just looked at the piece of paper. Look at it properly. So I then start quizzing him, and in one of the words, he gets like a letter of just the wrong way around. And I, I start getting angry because, okay, and that was sleep. My emotional capacity, my emotional intelligence isn't very high. It's very, very low. And so I'm getting upset with him that he's not actually taking it seriously. So I, I say, okay, boy, take this piece of paper and actually look at it properly. Now we're driving, so he's behind me, Eliza's that side. And he, he's looking and he's looking, five seconds later, yeah, I'm done. How are you revising so quickly? Like, this doesn't make any sense. All right, fine, I'll test you again. Again, gets, do you have a word? Just some letters the wrong way around. I'm like, this guy. Boy, take that piece of paper right now. And so you can, I'm getting a bit more stern with my words. And um, he starts getting upset. Eliza, who's sitting behind me on this side, she then says to me, Daddy, now, she's five going on six. Daddy. When adults upset me and they make me sad, I just take a deep breath. <laughs> I, just, I just take a deep breath and I calm down and I'm able to then speak and communicate. So maybe if you let CJ take a deep breath, he'll be then able to you know, do what he's supposed to do properly. I was like, oh my God. Now, the funny thing is, is that they know me, that if, I'm, if I get upset or angry, I literally take a deep breath of, and they know, okay, daddy's serious now, like, let's actually tidy up the bedroom. And so she's now repeating basically the words that I say, the actions that I do back to me, and I thought, man, truth, even from that of a babe, is still truth. And so I then took a deep breath as well as CJ, and I did what I normally would do. I coached him through, CJ, just cover, the one, cover one of the words, 
take your time, understand it, go over it a couple of times, and then we'll go through it. You got them all right, no problems. But because I listened to the truth of a babe, I was able to actually act on it. Now, if the truth of a babe is powerful, how much more powerful is the word of God in our lives? How much do we take it in and soak it in? Like, honestly, like, how, how much do we take it in and allow God's word to infiltrate our thinking, our attitude, the way we act, the way we do certain things? How much do we speak the word of God back to our situations? How much do we allow God's truth to be on the very inside of us so that we then become truthful people as a result? And a reminder of the story in Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 13, where Jesus is fasting, goes into the desert, and Satan tries to tempt him with different things. Satan tries to tempt him with different things, and you can read it in your own time, but Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 13, uh, Jesus tempts him, and, and, and sorry, Satan tempts Jesus, and Jesus doesn't say, ooh, ah, that's, that's, a, that's a good idea. Let me, let, me, let me think about that. Let me just ponder on it for a little bit. In fact, I'll pray about it. Straight away, the lies come towards him. Jesus knocks it back with the words of God the truth that God actually speaks. He, he brings it back to him. Now, Jesus is tempted in different areas of his life, and he's obviously hungry. And so Satan says, hey, listen, you turn those stones into bread, you can eat and you can be full. And Jesus knocks it back with scripture. But Satan then takes Jesus to uh, the top of the world and allows him to see what's taking place. And he, he says, you know, if you, if you bow down to me, then I'll give you everything. The idea of power, and Jesus knocks it back. Jesus knocks it back with Scripture. And then later on, Jesus, Satan takes Jesus to the top of a temple and says, if you jump off, just jump, the angels will come and they'll protect you. And then Jesus once again knocks it back with Scripture. And if, if, if that's happening to Jesus, right, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, if Jesus is using scripture, the truth of God's word, to combat that of the enemy, how much more so do we need God's word in our lives to combat that of the enemy? Like this, this isn't, this isn't, it's just, it's, Jesus had to use God's word to combat his situation. And when you read it, you realize that Satan, he, he knows scripture. He doesn't understand the power of the words he's saying, but he will then just twist the words ever so slightly, twist the meaning ever so slightly, and then we are on the wrong path. We allow and we understand what God wants us from us. We take God's word seriously. We do as it says. When temptations come our way, we're actually able to fight against it. And ask this question, well, where do you go when temptation comes your way? Who do you run to when temptations come your way? When the enemy tries to get inside the little cracks of your life and start speaking lies because there's a character flaw inside of us where he's going to use the fact that you like to lie a little bit or look at that website a little bit too much or do whatever it may be. Are we allowing God's word to soak over us so we can combat it properly? I love the fact that the words of God, they're true, they're true. 
And it's not true because it works. It works because it's true. I love this idea that we can't give up on the sheer power of God's word. We can't go at it alone. We need the power of God. We need his truth to surround us. We need his power for our families. We need his power for our friendships. We need his power for our marriages, for our parenting. We need his marriage, his power and his truth for our future. We need it for our thinking and our attitude, our confidence, our, our business, for our church, for faith and for salvation. We need the truth of God. I would love to pray with you this morning. If you're saying to me, oh, I need the truth of God to abide in me so that in every area of my life, truth comes out. So I live by the truth of God's word. I'd love for you to stand as we draw to a close. You're saying, hey, Reg, I would really love to put on the belt of truth. Let that strength of God be upon me. Let the strength of God be the very thing that I walk through. And I'd love to pray for you. So if you just want to raise your hands, I would love to pray for you. You said, I want to carry out, I want to wear this belt of truth. You can be in the overflow as well. You can be in the balcony on the floor. I see all your hands. Father, I thank you for every single person who has taken a step of putting on the armor of God. God, I pray that in every area of their lives that they will be known as truthful people. Not truthful because they're doing it through their own strength, but truthful because they've adopted who you are and have put that upon themselves. God, I pray that as a result, that the enemy's works, the enemy's schemes, the enemy's plans to try and steal, kill, or destroy, thwarted and put to one side. Father, I pray your protection to be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're listening to what I was saying and the idea that you can, you can, you can be in this war where the enemy's trying to do things to you, he's trying to say things to you. And you, you hear the words of John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, the enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but don't worry, I've come so that you can have life. And you listen to those words, you're like, I want to have life. I, I want to have a relationship with God so that I'm no longer bound by the things the enemy's trying to speak over my life. I'm not bound by the words the enemy is speaking about my situation. I'm living in the truth of who Jesus is. Then with every eyes closed and every head bowed, uh, just please raise your hand indicating to me that today I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to live my life in accordance to him. And you can be on the floor, you can be in the balcony, you can be in the overflow. You're saying that today. I want to give my life to Jesus. I see your hand your hand most importantly Jesus sees your hand as a church why don't you repeat these words after me Father I thank you for your son Jesus thank you that he came died and rose again so that I can have a relationship with you I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong 
Help me be all I'm supposed to be. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. If you uh, raise your hand, we are so pumped and excited for you. Uh, just lift your hand um, a little bit more. We've got like a little book that we'd love to give you and, and help you on your journey. In fact, at the end of our service, we'll have a team standing there. They would love to walk you through the next steps. Uh, but my prayer is that you'll know God's goodness, you'll know his grace, you'll know his mercy. Understand that we can't do this in our own strength, friends. We need the power of God to help us in this area of truth. I pray God's blessings be upon you. Have a great day. Jesus' name, amen.